Hello, thank you for joining LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, a packet. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACIN. And I'm here today with Lori Laxton, Clinical Education Program Lead with the Ability Network. Lori joins me today to discuss healthcare-associated infections in the nursing home, and we'll share some thoughts on how to address them. Welcome, Lori. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I'm very passionate about this subject. Well, let's get started. Healthcare-associated infections were previously called healthcare-acquired infections. Why the name change? You know, many of us were familiar years ago with hospital-acquired infections, and the CDC has a long history of tracking HEIs, as well as developing and promoting evidence-based recommendations for preventing and controlling infections. And then in the early 2000s, there was evidence that indicated that central line-associated bloodstream infections were significantly reduced when CDC guidelines were fully adhered to. So that led then to the federal government developing an action plan in 2009 to prevent all healthcare associated infections. And that's when our name pretty much changed over. And they used the National Healthcare Safety Network or NHSN, as we're all very familiar with lately, to track the progress of the action plan. And so we've all heard the saying HAIs are considered unacceptable, rare events, but as we all know, they're prevalent. And now we have a QRP measure tied to them. And I really appreciated how Jesse McGill fully explained the new HAI measure in her September APACN lecture on the SNF final rule. She really did a really nice deep dive into that particular measure. So hopefully that answers your question. It does. Thank you so much. What ideas can you share with our listeners to help address HAIs in the nursing home? Well, as you all know, I am all about the data. And I feel that not only maintaining my own accurate data or reviewing my customers' data that I'm working with, but also reviewing others' data is imperative to addressing HAIs in your building. And the reason why I say others' data is because we're already having to keep track of the community levels, let's say, of COVID-19. And if an infection rate's increasing in my surrounding county and other SNFs in the area, then I better be taking extreme precautions to be on full alert of it coming into my building. And I believe in first documenting the infection as soon as, or often you'll hear me say, as close to the bedside as possible. And then I also do data research on that type of particular infection. If I don't already have information on it in my repository, which I routinely maintain on my computer to be sure I have the latest evidence-based guidance, there's several other ways I can obtain quick research in this day and age with the internet. But I only use reputable sources. I always start with the CDC. They have lots of evidence-based guidance on prevention and control of various infections. The 
QIOs, the quality improvement organizations, also have a wealth of information. And you don't even have to be part of that particular QIO in that region. So for example, I'm in the South now, and we have a different QIO. But when I lived in Colorado, we had Telogen as our QIO. And I know that they offer free training webinars that you, that anyone can join. And they often have some free templates and things like that, that you can make use of. So use those QIOs when you can. And Sometimes I'll also search NIH articles. And then after I've found all the information I need on, on how to monitor that type of infection, how long to isolate a resident if necessary, any ways to prevent the spread of it, I would then monitor my data from there. And once the infections are documented, no matter how you record the data, whether you do it on paper or spreadsheets or use infection control software, you need to be able to count and correlate the infections. Do I have an increased number of the same type of infection over a certain period of time? Do I have a lot of one type of infection on a certain unit or tied to residents who receive care from the same caregiver? If I want to focus on HAIs, once you identify those problem infections that are starting three days from admission into your building, which is the timeline start point that CMS has now outlined in our HAI QRP quality measure, then I would go back to the research on that infection and see if breaks in our set protocols would correlate with an increase in that particular infection. I'd then proceed to educate my staff on the type of infection, causes, and protocols that we must be following. And then as we learned in our QCP course trainings, it's really important to circle back to see if training is making a difference. Are my HAI rates decreasing after my staff education sessions? If not, perhaps my infection control committee can assist me with ideas on ways that we can try to educate in other ways or look at existing policies and procedures to see if they need to be tweaked a bit. That's really great information. I love it. And I love that you're saying, you know, there's reputable sources out there on the internet that they can use. You also mentioned education. Can you share some innovative educational strategies to address HAIs? Oh, yeah. I'm all about this because I am a clinical educator. So I'm always looking into different ways to teach. And I find that adults like to know the why behind what they're learning first. If they understand the impact that the HAI is having on their building, for example, by sharing with them how many residents have contracted it, how many times the new HAI quality measures triggered for your building, things like that, making sure that they understand that everyone plays a part from the maintenance staff to the caregiving staff. And depending on the type of infection, anyone who enters the building, like visitors and all of those, as we've seen throughout this pandemic. Next thing I would do is I would get to know my staff and the type of learners they are. Some are auditory learners watching a video on, let's say, proper hand hygiene or proper pericare may be enough. Others are visual learners, so they may enjoy learning by video or live demonstration, but may also learn by written material. Still others may be tactile, what we call tactile learners, where they like to touch and return, demonstrate. And learning doesn't have to be boring. Um, role playing, return demonstration in groups. I really believe in that. It not only helps emphasize the importance of what is being taught and trains many at once, but often people can learn from good techniques 
and corrected techniques that others have performed, always keeping the training in a positive and encouraging, non-condescending or disciplinary way. And so it may take some out of their comfort zone having to return demonstrate within a group, but the ultimate goal is for everyone to feel engaged and a part of it. And you can learn very much from others. And I find that a lot of times the students that I train, when you have someone running the mouse, let's say, or driving, I put them in the driver's seat. For whatever reason, it's human nature. The rest of the audience tends to engage more because they're watching for the other person to make a mistake, unfortunately, but it does cause everyone to engage and participate. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, I would just encourage everyone to read the specifications of the QRPHAI quality measure and especially take the time to digest that technical reports appendices where the ICD-10 codes and measure calculation flowchart is located to help understand how it's being calculated. Also to understand the definition with regards to timing of an HAI, which CMS has finally defined for a skilled nursing facility. I find it's easiest if I draw it out on a calendar showing that, for example, this new quality measure in HAI is defined as beginning on day four after admission and continues through three days post-discharge. Thank you for that. I think this is great information to help our listeners become more prepared for the HAI quality measure. Mm -hmm. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC DON chat podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with Ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at abilitynetwork.com slash a pack-in. 